Hello, and welcome to the first sadness edition of the Back to the Point podcast. Hopefully as early as the end of the Sharks next season, there will not be a sadness edition. But as of right now, this is the first uh, of that type of podcast. And every time the Sharks lose in the playoffs, there will be such a podcast. Uh for as long as this podcast exists, I guess. So, uh, anyway, my, hopefully that's not a lot. Hopefully we win like 20 Stanley cups in the next like 25 years. So. We will become the most storied franchise <laughs> in the next 25 years and beat 25 cups before Montreal <laughs> yeah. gets to the next Just door. get rid of all parody and we do some, something. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, my name is Dave. Also Plotner's Ritz. What's that? Also, partners, right? <laughs> Just buy one. Yeah, no more salary cap. Uh, I almost said my first name. That was almost a that mistake. Was weird. Yeah. My yeah. name is Migs. I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Ian. I'm the other one. Yeah. yeah. The other host. And this is the other person. <laughs> this is the uh, post mortem. Yeah. We're just going to weep. Of the... <laughs> we, are... we talked about how much we'll weep. Except it's been a week since the Sharks got eliminated so. we've kind of just been mulling it over because we didn't want to record the day out. we feel I think our grief has like, subsided yeah. slightly at this point I'm not as pissed as I was <laughs> yeah but as I watch the Oilers play I still get really I actually mad. slept I last was watching them play nights. last night <laughs> so yeah. yeah so uh this is the post-mortem of the 2016-2017 San Jose Sharks season including the postseason mm. so um we'll we'll talk about a bit of things i think we'll kind of try to hit as much as we can about this season the playoffs um how they went uh do we want to give them a grade like a letter grade maybe uh, we could do that maybe we'll do that and then we'll look a little bit forward into this off season in the future and what potentially uh, we would like to see from the Sharks. Yeah. So, um, Migs, why don't you go ahead and start talking about our playoff series matchup, second seed versus the third seed, Edmonton Oilers at home with home ice advantage versus the Sharks as the third seed. Yeah, I mean, the last time I recorded, we were on location in Southern <laughs> California with your lovely wife, Allie, as our guest. Um, yes. And we were in person together. That was nice. Uh, I think that we were both great. optimistic about this series. And, you know, uh, even as this series started, we got some good vibes. I think the Sharks somewhat uh, maybe got taken back back a little bit or got a little bit outplayed in that first period of the first game. And then they kind of took control and really played a really good game from there on out and eventually worked their way back from a 2-0 hole and won in overtime. So that was definitely an exciting start to this series. I had a little bit of a crazy dance when they won and lots of uh, celebration. Anyway, but... Yeah, I, I, I always enjoy winning the first game of the yeah. series because I never really know it's going to go down in the first game. It's The teams have been studying each other, and it's always a little bit different from the regular season. And... Uh, just the fact that there's been a lot more like coaching intensity about this specific game uh, going into the game ones. So it's always intense to kind of figure out what's going to happen. 
and see what really how this series is going to play out. So I really enjoyed getting that first win. Um, yeah, needless to say, the Oilers fans, uh, after 11 years, really were ready <laughs> for some playoff hockey. Yeah, yeah that was... Uh, that was a pretty crazy crowd and it was like that for game one and two and also game uh five game five mm-hmm. so they they had a great crowd they they were even selling tickets inside the stadium they were like basically almost selling out the stadium to watch the away games in rogers place on the jumbotron with all the other fans together at the stadium they were selling tickets for cheap but they were still selling thousands of these tickets. It's insane. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. Good for them. And that's probably about as positive and, like, mutual respect I'll be for about this franchise for probably the next, like, year and a half. (laughs) Because we hate the Oilers Yeah. I hate the Oilers I think our impressions of this team has changed a lot over the course of this series. Do you know why? Because we haven't had to think about them for like ten years. <laughs> That's true. Because they've just been so absolutely terrible. But also and because of the, that... the things they did in the series. I'll, yeah, I'll keep we'll it at that for that. now. So the thing that I think that really bothers me about this team. Two seasons ago, they were last. Mm-hmm. They get the first overall pick. They get McDavid, and then they decide to wake up. And that was only maybe their third or fourth first overall pick in the last, like, seven years or something like that. Oh, only. And, like, (laughs) yeah, right? And, like, how many, like, top five picks do they have? At one point, I think they could fill out their entire, like, top nine forwards full of first overall picks and, like, top ten first picks. I think the latest one was, like, Eberlein. I think he went... No, he was a 20-something pick. I looked this up the other day. Yeah, That's surprised because I thought because he was like a first overall, but he wasn't. picks in the first round. Yeah. Makes sense because he's not as good. Um, yeah, you were guess. really but you yeah. were really trashing on Eberly this whole series. Yeah, I don't like... <laughs> You're like, he yeah. is useless. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. So I think I'll probably be very hyperbolic about how much I don't like the Oilers. The thing that gets me, and I'll... I'll spend it with this is just like two years ago they were nothing they get mcdavid and then they decide to like rehaul their entire front office they decide to pick up a competent coach and they decide to kick out the old boys club through all the upper management and they get like all this new infrastructure of a hockey system and then the next season they jump to be like a bad team but like middle of the pack and then next season after that this season they're like all good and they're like highly slated position in the playoffs and it's just like <sighs> oh what do you expect when a team gets good they they have to rise somehow and you, this, you know? the thing that's the thing that's frustrating is that they didn't slowly get good it's that they were so like they had the same talent on their roster for years and then all they all it took was just like a good coach and a good maybe someone like McDavid to spark them up and give them hope but like they didn't like entirely like overhaul their roster they got you know some good people but yeah I don't know it just hurts that how fast they went from never need to worry about them free points to playoff caliber team that's now 
won a series and as of this recording has a 2-0 lead in Anaheim. Yeah. Which is <laughs> well, I don't like them either, if... but I mean, yeah. the rise to success, it happened. And I think g- going into the series, yeah. we stated our opinions on the last time we recorded, but my opinions re- haven't really changed. And on that matchup, kind of going into it, I don't see, I don't look back and see. I mean, it changed in the sense that we saw them actually play, but. Um, the way that series ended, I, I don't feel like, wow, the Sharks couldn't handle the, their speed and the Sharks couldn't handle their physicality. What a joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sharks could handle McDavid. Yeah, they could handle the physicality. In fact, I would say that, and we talked about this, but the physicality was actually a detriment overall to the Oilers in that series. Maybe mine it. Yeah. Maybe except for game two, but... Ultimately, that wasn't the difference. Just being blown out of proportion by the broadcast and the media. That wasn't the difference, though, in that game. Even it was the Sharks. Game two is the Sharks' inability to do anything on the power play, which actually cost them two goals. Um, Yeah. I mean, I guess we could do that as a segue to game two. That that was the story of game two. The power play reached rock bottom in game two. Yeah. Just to touch back on game one, always a touch and feel. Who's going to do this? How are you going to react? Very much kind of like a opening chess moves game. The series, um, those ones are always kind of uh, toss in the air. Who's win? Who's going to win? And then the games to follow are the ones where you can really see how it's going to start to play out. So Sharks ended up winning that one in overtime. Um, game two sucked. Yeah. The Oilers, and I think about the series, is I knew the Oilers were good. But I didn't really value how good they were. And I really think that with the people they have, it like fits Todd McClellan's coaching style like very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I did I discredited them a little bit, despite having had some like tough games against them in the regular season. I really thought the Sharks would be able to just like straight up pull away. And for other reasons, we'll talk about the Sharks weren't able to do that. And I think the Oilers stepped up their game as well, which was, um, which which made it definitely harder for the Sharks. But yeah, game two was just a train wreck, and they started to get, they were really trying to throw away their throw their bodies around and lay like go. They would really um, go out of their way to finish hits. Mm-hmm. And people like Cassian and Lucic and uh, Maroon and Nurse, too. I remember I was... Really trying to throw the body. I was very frustrated about a couple hits, uh, particularly the hit on Dylan, which... Uh, yeah, Zach Cassian kind of went off that game. Yeah, which I argued, and like... Then, I mean, no, we argued that it was head or shoulder. And I think I eventually kind of yeah. convinced you. But just the fact that, like... He had two, he had two questionable hits that game. Yeah. One was on Couture where it looked like he might have left his feet going into the hit either way he was coming really fast and for some reason Couture saw him and decided to just like he had time to move if he wanted to but he decided to just like take the hit I mean uh, I, I disagree Cassidy with that like I still don't know what you mean by like Couture could have could have avoiding that I don't know. It, it just looks like to me that like Couture if you look at the whole entire play it looks like he sees Cassian coming and instead of like trying to like sidestep him or something like that, he like just 
drops his shoulder and like waits for the hit to come. Um, and then Cassian, uh, it looks like he finishes high on Couture as well as leaves his feet a bit. Um, and then they both go like sprawling because Cassian had a lot of speed. Ultimately, nothing comes of that. Um, Couture gets up, Cassian gets up, they both give on skidding, crowd goes crazy. And either before that or after it was that, before. I think you can talk about the you can talk about the Dylan hit before that, yeah. which was definitely a hit to the head. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they didn't call that. I just the yeah, ref it's, was right there. That's frustrating. Like, I mean, the 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 hit on Couture was definitely charging because he was going at a high speed. I personally don't see how Couture could have avoided that and stepped out of the way because Cassian was well, going charging, at a high speed. Charging isn't just high speed. No, I mean, yeah, but he was, like, going with the intent to hit. You can be going fast and he, to hit someone and it's not charging. I wouldn't say he jumped into the hit, but he... You could see his knees extend. Like, he's going up. He's, like, kind of ex- extending his knees, yeah. which you wouldn't do when you're driving down to, like, a hit on the shoulder. It was it was if bad. It was charging, the it the Dylan one bothered me speed, more. Yeah. yeah. Um... And then that one, it severely looks like uh, Cassian tries to target. He he like keeps his elbow down, but the primary point of contact is like clearly Dylan's like head shoulder area, and maybe that's a little gray for the ref to see, but it clearly is like the head. Yeah. Uh, upon video review, and the thing is that the ref was just standing right there, and ultimately they decided not to call it. Um. They, it's not super surprising as they hadn't really called like there had been heavy hits throughout the entire game and they hadn't really called anything and they pretty much let everything go except we, the thing hits. about that game though is that the Sharks still had like six penalties or, or power yeah. plays still and we couldn't and we gave up two goals on two of them and yeah, I think and ultimately so this is I think the Oilers best game of the, of the series yeah well like uh, entire like entire uh, performance, like sixty yeah. performance. I think this is the there was a lot game. of variation in how each game went. I thought because game two is like the story of the Sharks power play woes, and I guess the Oilers their physicality was there, but it, it, it made them take six penalties, which should have burned them, and they used their yeah. speed on the rush like when they were on the penalty kill to get those two shorthanded goals. And the thing is that yeah, first one was so because me, of, uh, you know, Pavelski whiffed and then he kind of made a mistake and then that led to a breakaway by Cassian. And the second was just McDavid driving down the side. Yeah, and for me, for specifically, the only time I really felt like the Oilers punished us with their speed was McDavid's shorthanded goal. He just went through everyone mm-hmm. and he just turned on the Jets and went and scored himself a goal by himself. The Cassian one... Um, it wasn't, it wasn't speed, speed that, got that got him that shorthanded breakaway. Yeah, it was a pass it was up the right middle. Place, right time. And, it and it wasn't even like he was rushing paths like really fast and forced paths into a mistake. There was time and space and paths just bumbled the puck and choked yeah. on it. Just went off his stick and, a bit. Uh, yeah, and that was right place, right time. And he recovered it that, and then shot it down, but right to an oiler. And then he got it up to Cassian, who was, streaky, who was going up, you know? Yeah, so that I think that was the most frustrating frustrating game to watch, specifically because the Oilers were having all this. Um, 
they were really going off the hitting. And I think I really started to get annoyed with the broadcasts. Um, being in Seattle, I had to watch the national broadcasts, and I couldn't listen to the local stuff. And uh, they were just going off on the storylines that they had like predetermined were going to be for the series. And then they really started... In this game, they really started to talk about, like, ooh, the Oilers, like, physicality. It's, like, destroying the Sharks. And in this game, they were playing heavy hitting, but it wasn't, like, hurting the Sharks too much. If anything, they were taking stupid penalties, and then they were just nonstop talking about the team speed. And then outside of McDavid's goal, there was nothing you could see from team speed about them really, like... I think they was that the game us. that they hit a lot of posts though. I'm not even talking, not even talking about for the specific, I, for the specific those comments, comments about the media really that really started to get me mm-hmm. frustrated. That was the entire series, and I I got fed up with that fast. And I was talking to some other people, even people uh, fans of teams on the Eastern Conference. They were they're getting pretty fed up with it. Um, some other there's a couple fans of my. Uh, hockey team or around the rink that I go to who are Sharks fans up in Seattle mm-hmm. they were saying the same thing just like okay McDavid is good and he fits what you want to talk about young talent fast the new face of the NHL but yeah 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 I agree with the I just got I got mad I agree with like the the storyline thing like they, the physicality one kept on being sit like Game two, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, I get that. Maybe. But beyond that, I, games it, it, one, three, four, five, and six. Right, it wasn't a factor in that series, and uh, I mean it was, but I don't think overall it probably put the Oilers at greater risk. It wasn't risk. a positive factor for them. Yeah, it was outside of game two. It was greater risk for them. So game three was, um, I think the Sharks kind of went at it a little bit more, but that game literally came down to one bounce and one goal, you know, and that, yeah. Yeah, so that was tough. Um, game game four. Yeah, and game four we went off just like they went off in game two. We ended up scoring more than they did. Uh, we chased Cam Talbot. That's nice. That was yeah, dude. That was a fun game to watch. It felt good to kind of just get my frustrations out. Um, and I was like, okay. And you could tell that they were having some confidence issues or something like that, or, like, they needed to regroup uh, because that game is the game they, like, came out in Mohawks and they had that whole, like, thing going on and the team all like, came together and did the Mohawk thing together in order to get everyone, like, riled up and ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that was the game where they kept on taking stupid penalties and then we absolutely thrashed them for it. And for games five and six, they toned it down. Game game four was kind of like what game two should have been, <laughs> except more like double what game two should have been in terms of responding and, and making them pay on the power play. Um, yeah, exactly. They just didn't stop doing that stupid stuff. Yeah, it was like yeah, two games worth of effective power play scoring and just beating down on the other team in one game. Mm-hmm. And then even then, like, if from the Oilers' perspective, they're like, okay, it's just one game. Like, this isn't how this series is going to go. Like, let's get out of our systems, move on, doesn't matter. Like, even if you beat us 20 to 0, it still counts as one win for the series. You don't get extra points for how much you beat them by. Uh, but I definitely think if we had won that game, like, 2-0 or something like that, I don't really think they would have had that 
I feel like it could have affected things a little bit more positively for the Sharks. I feel like the Oilers could have... Um, I feel like the 7-0 really woke them up like crazy. Mm-hmm. And they, in games 5 and five and 6, they definitely looked different. They weren't doing stupid stuff as much. There was an occasional thing from Maroon or something like that. But like, they cleaned up their act. They, were, they cleaned up their act, and they were really focusing on playing hard hockey. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, yeah. like game five, it came out pretty even. The Oilers scored first, but then I thought the Sharks did a really good job. I mean, they got three unanswered goals. Um, at that point, they yeah. started in the third. They Yes, they sat on their lead to some extent, but I don't think they were like completely just sitting. I think they were playing a good four-checking game, trying to keep it in the Oilers' zone. And really, like they that, that series could have gone 3-2 the Sharks' way two minutes 50 something seconds away from that and then the Oilers get this just awesome blast from Clefbaum from the point to make it 3-3 and then that effectively kind of the Sharks were gassed at that point and then the Oilers took over in overtime but yeah that sucked that was that was hard to watch I think that's another instance where you could say that the Oilers really like their legs were better or their youth helped them um I also think part of that was just the Sharks blowing a 3-0 lead. I wouldn't entirely attribute that to... Yeah. yeah. Giving up the lead that would have had the series... Uh, would have been tied at that point. No, it would have been... If they would have won that game, it would have been Sharks 3-2. And then the winner of Game 5 wins the playoff series 78% of the time. Yeah. Which unfortunately was true here as well. But... um. Yeah, I think they were so deflated because they knew how important it was and that they were ready to win and just, you know, were happy to receive the reward of their hard work. And then uh, the Sharks didn't start playing badly or anything like that. They just got... The Oilers capitalized on the very few chances that they got every time. Uh, they didn't really have sustained pressure or anything really intense like that. Uh, just the chances went their way, and they were excellent at taking them over. And then uh, overtime, yeah, like you said, that was a Martin Jones is a very good goalie. Yeah, they should have ended it probably about once every minute as the period went on. They had so many chances, and he came up with so many good saves. They should have won it almost on every shot they took, but they didn't because of almost single, not almost, single-handedly because of Martin Jones. And, you know, he can't score goals in overtime, so they ended up winning. So I think I think you might agree with this, but I think the critical point in that game was, if you remember, we, we took a penalty, and then right at the end of that penalty that we were about to finish killing, Brent Burns takes a delay of game penalty, penalty because he throws a puck over the glass on a backhand which yeah. is unfortunate yeah. because that's just exactly, a bounce thing yeah, like, and then they score to make it 3-2 kind of giving the momentum at the end one, of the second and then they're only one goal yeah. away from tying it within like five six minutes left in the period so yeah like, like honestly and then it's like yeah that's enough time to come back you know you can feel like you can do it then yeah gives them hope and the Sharks had it too. They were they were really playing well, and uh, the Oilers get this one instance where they get Clefbaum 
coming in high off of coming right off the bench, and uh, he just steps into a shot, and a crazy good shot to go through and, and hit the net. Yeah, and it's just like, dang, that sucks. You know, like because Pabs doesn't mishandle that puck at the blue line, the Oilers don't get their first shorthanded goal. Game two, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Edmonton can say the very same thing about, oh, you know, if the Sharks didn't get this, you know, capitalize on this one bounce that they got, they wouldn't have won their games either. And I feel like that's probably true. And what makes me think is that this entire series, outside of game four, where the Sharks absolutely did everything they needed to do, and to a lesser extent, game two, um, although the Sharks definitely played a much better game in game two, ultimately losing the Edmonton played in game four super losing I really think this series came down to uh, just who capitalized on the chances they got yeah it was very much 50 50 uh, each game was pretty much uh, a toss-up um, if you look at like period by period like who controlled the series as it went like it's, I, there's no clear winner to me. Uh, I haven't like done that, sit through and like, like tally up the periods where the Oilers controlled it, the Sharks controlled it. But outside of Game Seven, outside of Game Four, where the Sharks won seven zero and absolutely controlled the entire game, it was within each of those other games. It was, no team controlled the entire game. Um. Yeah, I guess I skipped over game six. Sorry. Well, we're talking about game five. I think game five was just the bummer because we were so close yeah. to taking a 3-2 lead and then it it just fell apart. It fell away, yeah. 250 left, you know? And even in that last two, I remember Vlasic came in and created a good scoring chance even after they tied it uh, to try and, like, take back the lead. But I think that was all... All the team kind of had left left in them um, going over time. But honestly, like, I wasn't... If Brett Burns doesn't take that penalty and we ki- yeah. we go into the third with a 3-1 lead and they played like they did, same way like they did in the third period with a 3-1 lead, we probably would have won that game. Like, I think mm-hmm. they played well holding on to a lead in the third period. Like, that cleft bomb shot at the end, like, what do you do? What? Do you, how do you defend? How do you plan for that? How do you defend that? Like, I know Pav said he was the really. The player goes off for the change. Like, do you follow him? To yeah, the that's bench? what I'm saying. Like, like you don't... don't follow the player to the bench. You just you go yeah. in the cycle. You go with the motion, and he's coming in a different opposite direction of where the puck was going, and he was able to step into that shot because of that. And I I, I just can't. It, it's not like. Like you said, it came down to key moments, and it, there wasn't like any. I guess games two and three were frustrating just because the Sharks could not, they couldn't score a goal, and but mm-hmm. that was those a, a single goal in either of those games could have been a difference, you know. Like even in those games where it's like the Sharks, like why can't you score? It's like a single goal would have made a potential big impact on this series. Yeah, and that's where you say that's where you look immediate first thing you look at is power play. Yeah. It was yeah. not it could have been if we had been more effective earlier on, it could have yeah. 
been the difference to get that goal. If we, you had, know? If we had a power play uh, converting at a, a normal rate, I think it's with the amount of power plays we got in the first three games, I honestly think it's fair to say that we would have had at least, not at least, if we would have had an extra goal per game. Yeah. Because yeah. what, if, if we took, we had six power plays in game two? And we had like, and not giving up the same in game one. <laughs> we, we were like negative two for six <laughs> on the power play. Yeah, dude. It's like that should that should count against you. So I know. But yeah, like yeah. if what's an average conversion rate is what like twenty percent, eighteen to twenty percent. Yeah. Twenty. So, getting just one goal, like, and even if you gave up a yeah. shorty, one shorty but scored on another. Tied. Yeah, like uh, I don't know, like. Yeah. Um. Let's not. Let's not. I think we've. Let's just that drive ourselves well. insane thinking about how the close the series yeah, I'm, actually I'm was. Yeah, I'm starting to get a little angry right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like yeah. it. Uh, what happened in Game Six, Migs? Let's quickly finish off this game. Game Six, I was as sad as I it was. was kind of disappointed with how the Sharks came out for the first ten. Fi- sorry, fifteen, twenty. 20 maybe 30 40 minutes uh, i think they at some point in the second period i don't remember clearly they really started to pick up their desperation and bring it back to the oilers i mean what happened was the oilers really took advantage of us with two bad bounces that we got uh well the second was a broken play paul uh chris Tierney passes to paul martin paul martin is just a little bit far paul martin doesn't get it on a stick leads to a breakaway um, and before that, they get a block. Um, good on them. That was that good was work. Shlepyshev's goal? Uh, no, Drysaddle scored, didn't he? Shlepyshev had Just the... Drysaddle scored the first yeah. one, but that was from Larson and Clefbaum, so that wasn't a... Right, but it, somebody like blocked a shot and then got it to Drysaddle, and he fended off Braun well and, and got a goal. Shlepyshev's was due to the Martin not settling the pass i think um, and get and just streaking just got the puck and he had speed so dry saddles dry saddles goal was because we fired it in and then it landed uh someone blocked it in front I, i'm just watching the goal oh. right now someone blocked it in front and then it landed on an oiler stick and dry saddle had started to yeah. break away so then they got the pass to him and then he he went and that scored. goal was kind of like a reminiscence of the stanley cup final last last spring kind of like peng the penguins getting getting like opportunities like that in that series yeah Yeah, i think i think something about speed the speed game that i see is uh like chances through the middle yeah uh i really think they emphasize that and i think pittsburgh did that really well against this um but yeah so oilers uh close out a good game and they they beat us at home and uh they go ahead and winning six hold on let's talk about this game six though because like i said the sharks picked up their desperation patrick marlowe mr shark with seven eight minutes left gets gets a goal to bring to two one at this point the tank is like really rowdy like really into it right you could feel like you felt something was going to break they were get another goal and what happens do you remember what happened like 10 minutes what's that and then we just started putting the pressure on for like 10 yeah, minutes. There were times where we were holding in their and zone for like forever. 
<laughs> and then freaking Habs, man, this poor guy gets a shot on his stick. He gets he receives a pass on a stick, and then instead of turning, he goes ahead and just gets it on his backhand and fires it, beats Talbot, and then hits crossbar, and then off crossbar to the post, and the post, and out. And then that was the shot that would have tied the game. And you look at that, and you think back a couple years ago where Pavs had that same opportunity to beat Jonathan Quick in the playoffs. And if he, Jonathan Quick was down, and the puck lands on Pavs' stick, he fires it, and he can't get it high enough, and then it just taps the top of Quick's pads, and it doesn't score. No, he shot in his gloves. Oh, yeah, because he, I guess. I was, yeah, dude, I was at that game. Well. That was tough. Yeah. If, if Paz just gets that a little bit higher, you know, you score there. Pav just, like, dials in that backhand, you score there. And you can't just look at that one chance and say, this is why we lost. Because, you know, how many of those are f- filtered throughout the game? Yeah. But in a situation like that, that's what you remember. Yeah. And it's just like. Poor Pav oh. to go through that twice in his career where he had the. He could have tied it two one, two times in his career like that, in a in a must win yeah. game. Yeah, and it just wasn't in the cards for the Sharks, for this game. I you know what I hate is I hate that like, if you give the Oilers, if you give the Sharks ten minutes of just swarming play, they don't generally get a goal. <laughs> it's you know a, like to get to to finish well, the this game. Season. They don't generally get the goal <laughs> yeah. this season. Yeah. But you know what I'm going to say, because I said it to you earlier, but, like, the freaking Kings, man, maybe not this season, but, like, every time we play them we and we have a lead and they start swarming for the last, like, five, six minutes, they always get cold. Yeah, it's so annoying. <laughs> or they they convert at a high rate, and it's just like, I want even, that. Even, Why can't we have Even that? when we, like, stomped them last year in the first round, like... I think it was the final game, like in game that. five, where we were up like Dude. 3-1. And then, of course, so they clenched. shoot it from the point, and it goes off like Kopitar's leg. It goes off his, like, shin guard, his shin pad, and, like, goes into the goal. And I was like, how did that happen? Right. It wasn't even intentional. Like that... <laughs> it's just like you were there. Yeah, that, like, swarming clutch. Yeah. Like, last minute dying seconds to get the game tied or to the win it the sharks just don't seem to do that very well which is sad but i mean i will say like with last year's run like they had like all the goals when they needed to minus they sent like yeah, a fi- exactly. well, and even in the same like that's a what final, i'm saying like, like the sharks get they get the goals when they need yeah. to not when they get they get them before that point and so they when they land in a hole like that we're like we need to score with 10 minutes left like and then they just start controlling play for the last 10 minutes uh, they don't really get into that situation too much. Yeah. Well, but, well, the game that we went to, game three of the Stanley Cup final, remember we came back yeah. from, we tied it twice, Dude. and then we won in overtime. We saw Donskoy do his, do his move. Dude, that was amazing. We saw that yeah. live. Most famous goal, maybe now. Oh, yeah, dude. That was okay. big. So, anyway. Um, Oilers end up winning in six. Oilers. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, Oilers. and you know why I don't like the Oilers? Because they're a dirty it's team. Because, <laughs> exactly. It's because of McDavid, right? They beat us, and that's one thing for like, oh, like as a playoff team, I don't like them right now because they beat me. It's like, no. This is me being like hurt. 
I don't like what they did, how they won. They started targeting Couture's yeah. head. And they come out, and he has not only... Everyone knew his teeth was messed up, and he decides to play with a visor after game two because the cage is just too much, and it messes up his peripheral vision so much, and it just feels awkward because he hasn't played like that in 15 years. After playoffs are over, not only does he only have plastic holding on his top teeth and a metal bar holding in his bottom teeth, he has two facial fractures. And what does Connor McDavid do? Connor McDavid tries to throw elbows to his face yeah. as he passes him multiple times. You know what? Connor McDavid's dead. Hundred percent stand by that. And people, people, yeah, it just pisses me off. And like you already knew Maroon was going to do that, and Lucic was going to do that, and Cassian was going to do that, and they did. And then what got me even further is like going against Timo Meyer and the boards, like. Go to scrum along the boards and uh, uh, scrum happens. Timo loses his footing. You know, you get some cross check at the back. What does Connor McDavid does? He goes higher and higher. Keeps on cross checking him in the back of the face, in the helmet, back onto the ice multiple times. And he did that specifically multiple times. Mm-hmm. And this was all particularly, I think, in Game Seven where they were just getting dominated. What does Drysaddle do? He spears Tierney in the ball. Should he be suspended? Yes. Yes. Did he? No. No. Why? Because it's the playoffs. Why also? Because the Department of Player Safety is ridiculous and they don't so, have consistency. So he's a, let's talk about this. He's a first time offender. No, 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 Because you know what bothers so, me even more about this? We're going to rant. I'm going oh to finish gosh. my rant on Conor McDavid. It's because he's like... <laughs> The freaking Canadian, Canada, Canada's Canadian. media darling. He can do no wrong. They see Crosby through him, right? They're like, we know what Crosby is. He's gonna be just like him. He knows what to say in interviews. Like, he's not an off-ice partier. He's not like doing crazy stuff. So they don't have that persona of him. So they push the persona that they see, and they're like, oh, that's not in his character. Like, he doesn't do that. Yes, he does. Push to the brink. His real personality comes out, and he's. He was a dirty player, yeah. Yeah, not okay. Not okay. During game four, he got a no. So you just can't say that. Like that's not him. It is. He will do that. Pushed against the wall. It is him. He lost it a little bit, you know. He He lost it. It was game four because he was getting frustrated and he threw that elbow, that first one, and he he got away with it, and then. he, he threw the second one. He took a penalty, and we scored on a power play. And that was probably the most satisfying power play because it's just like, oh, oh yeah. take it, McDavid. Like, pay yeah, for your seriously. wrongdoing. <laughs> I know. I really wished one of our players would have leveled him. Like, if we had still had Douglas Murray in our oh, team, gosh. and he just like hip checked him, Connor McDavid would just like land on the ground, and his twenty-year-old body just be like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now that's me wishing pain on someone else, and I don't normally do that. And that's how much I don't like Conor McDavid. That's right maybe now. not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And before the playoffs, I was starting to really turn on to be like a big fan of his. Just like, man, he has so much skill. He has so much skill. Like he's so fast, and he can stick handle as fast as he does. Like it's insane. That's I'm in awe. And now I'm like, he's a dick. Guess what? Very small audience. Ian before the playoffs was saying he would trade Brent Burns. <laughs> And Logan Couture or something like that for Carl uh, for Carl McDavid Connor McDavid I said Carl McDavid. 
Dude, I'd trade it for Carl McDavid. Have you seen his brother? He's even better. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, Ian, you cannot say that. <laughs> like, those are our players now. Anyway. Yeah, now I wouldn't make that trade, but I think most <laughs> people he's the would dirtiest do player. something drastic <laughs> to get that on your team. Yeah. Let's so. let's talk about how how trash the DOPS is for a little bit. So, no. yes, yes. Okay. You said we're going to rant, so we're going to rant. Guys, this is going to be a long episode, and <laughs> guys and gals, thank you for listening. So Dreisaitl, so he's a first-time offender, right? Okay, but let's really teach him a lesson. We're not going to suspend him for a game. Oh, my gosh. Let's let's find oh him point seven percent of his salary. Oh, my gosh. Wow, he's super going to feel that, right? Oh, so let yeah, let's let's take let's take pennies out of his pocket and that'll let's really take show him twenty five hundred dollars out of his salary. He'll feel that he won't even notice that coming out of his paycheck. <laughs> like he literally will not notice that. He'd be like, is that a new tax? Didn't notice. Don't care. It's like. Someone who makes $40,000 a year is, like, getting fined $30. Yeah. He makes $3.4 million a year on top of with his salary and performance bonuses that he almost assuredly hit because he had, like, a 70-point season. Let's find him the max. Let's throw the book at him. Give him, give him the book. <laughs> max fine for this guy. Oh, what a joke! That is an absolute joke. <laughs> what a joke! And it's, uh, I was reading somewhere, and I'm not sure how reliable it is, but their max fine is fifty uh, percent of their. The max fine is fifty percent of their one day salary, and it's just like. Yeah, I don't get that. And yeah, it just it just pisses me off because you're like, and then all the commentators are like, that's that's terrible. That's abhorrent. We need this out of the game. Yeah, and like everyone was agreeing. The analysts are agreeing. Everyone on the radio agreeing. Like literally everyone in hockey is like, this is a stupid thing. We want this out of the game. And then how do you get it out of the game? By making it like punchable to the point where like wow i did that one time and that hurt me and my team and i noticed yeah you should be suspended and you should like if you're gonna get fined you should get fined a lot of money Mm -hmm. you know and if you get suspended you should like getting suspended like it it shows a lesson and people know that and then next time you do something you're you're not a first-time offender neither will he but like it's not even just like oh like i was going for a hit and i just you know i just didn't see him move at the last second or i saw him move and then i didn't decide to and then i hit him in the head or like you know i hit him late or something like that it's like no i saw him and i was so pissed i looked him in the eyes and then with my stick as a weapon jabbed it into his balls <laughs> and hopefully christina can have kids yeah you know? yeah no i it's dumb he like looked him in the no, face. He paused. Yeah, he paused, did it, and then skated away. It was unacceptable. It, it uh, really bothered me because, you know, we talked about the Cassian thing. I, I feel like they got away with dirty stuff that series. And they were playing a dirty game. Until they until they game four when they got spanked and thrown out into the wilderness, like like they 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 cleaned their up, up cleaned up their act after that. But before that they were playing like a dirty, dirty team. 
Yeah, I, yeah they were I playing felt dirty, like and I didn't like the that. They gave up so many penalties, but there were so many other instances where I thought they should have been called too. I thought the refs were like, well, we can't call that many penalties against the team, so let's keep it at yeah, six. Yeah, on Twitter, on Twitter <laughs> the Oilers fans were like, the refs are so against us. And like occasionally someone would just pipe in. And be like, uh, you did spear Timmy. <laughs> I know. And McDavid did throw an elbow, and you yeah. did cross-check him across the back and, of the yeah, head. Yeah, what about all those cross-checks uh, when they were, the continuous cross-checks when the player's on the ground, they didn't call. Or what about when Larson cross-checks Tomas Hurdle in the face, in the in bottom the of the nose? Oh, that's safe, right? Oh, that's safe. Let's gosh. not call that at all. And then he starts bleeding. Cassian throws a hit to Dylan's head. Oh, let's not call that. Let's not review that with environment player safety. Let's look at him extend his legs into a hit with speed, going for the upper part of the body. Oh, let's not review that. This is ridiculous. They, they got go away the with body, stuff. But it was going for the head is what you mean to say. They got away with stuff, and yeah, it was frustrating. It was bad. They were, yeah, and that's, and that's what bothered me about this game. Is like if we – like a couple of seasons ago, we played St. Louis, and we just got trounced 4-1. And we were out fast, and it was like we were a bad. That was a bad team, dude. That was a bad team. <laughs> yeah, but we lost, mm. right? And we beat the. We like lose to. Them I meant in the we were a bad team. Yeah, I know. We were a bad team, and the the Blues were a good team. And it's like we lose in the playoffs, and like I don't have feelings of ill will versus St. Louis like I do to the Oilers right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that series is just like, well, we weren't good enough. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, whatever. So, series ends. Oilers win in six. Face Anaheim, who beat Calgary in four. Um, and then it comes out that uh, Joe Thornton was playing on a torn ACL and MCL. Told you, dude. Yeah, dude. Uh uh, Couture had the same facial injuries that we remembered. We all knew about his teeth. Uh, he also had two facial fractures and continues to have pain eating, breathing, and sleeping, which, you know, apparently you don't need for hockey, so that's not a big deal. <laughs> and then uh, everyone else had bumps and bruises. Hurdle had a broken foot, which was sustained in the same game uh, where Thornton got his knee destroyed went down. <laughs> yeah yeah which means i was there yeah and i don't yeah, you remember can't go to games anymore dude i know my gosh just not going to in freaking vancouver <laughs> yeah. the canadian curse yeah i went to vancouver and the closest next province is alberta <laughs> you went that's to where you went, from. that's why we lost it's my fault <laughs> you went to vancouver and we lost in the first round because of it <laughs> yeah um yeah, those two people, and then Donskoy separated his shoulder early in the season and then, like, re-separated his shoulder later. And, you know, he was pretty unaffected. And I think now the kind of harsh words we have for him, just wanting more from him, kind of makes a little bit more sense. We're a bit more forgiving now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so learning this... Oh, you forgot about Marlo with the broken thumb, too. Oh, Carl- I think I said that. Carlson had Marlo two had a- stress fractures, apparently. Oh, where? I don't know where, but that's what he said. He said he's getting in. He's playing with injections, which, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Thornton on Monday after the playoffs ended, 
so two days later, we lose on Saturday. On Sunday, you know, they fly home. Or maybe they fly home that night. And then Monday, Norton, like, is, like, has locker room clean out with the media. And in his things, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go talk to doctors about that. And then immediately has surgery, (laughs) (laughs) which was successful. So, um, Quote, unquote, successful, which means the doctor is done... The 2000 the ACL and MCL repair that he's done, yeah, exactly. and the outcome is varied between patients. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Like someone on the someone was talking about, I was like I've never heard someone say that the the surgery was like not successful. Oh yeah, and it's like I'm like yeah for sports, it's like like you those aren't the complicated yeah. surgeries. Orthopedic doctors just like, know what they're doing to like fix a structure well, but that doing. doesn't mean the, the person is gonna like necessarily have the best outcome yeah like you can you can fix yeah. it but then they also have to heal and that's where the in, like a lot of times the things come up um yeah so then looking at it now you can see why the sharks weren't getting the goals they need a lot of their depth players had some issues their their main depth players um their top players i don't know how Horton, you didn't even notice him playing poorly. Yeah. You know? He looked totally normal. How on earth is that, like, superhuman, like, among us? Yeah. I will say, like, so, I mean, as we've kind of mentioned before, I, I... well, I was in physical therapy school. I failed. Don't go. Congratulations. <laughs> I graduated. Thank you. Uh, uh, Migs, don't go too far. No, this. it's interesting. You know so listen, it there's okay, a small percentage of the population that can handle. Oh, this is interesting. That can handle uh, managing kind of day-to-day activities and maybe even higher-level things like sports, running, jumping, things like that, without an ACL. Right? They tore their ACL and they can manage without it. Prime example, Heinz Ward of the, uh, I almost said Philadelphia Steelers, Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, so he, he was a player, played in the NFL, was wide receiver, very high-level athlete that was able to play without an ACL. Okay? So that's not very common at all. Like he tore his ACL and, and didn't just, like, get didn't it reconstructed, it right? So there's and then played through NFL seasons. Right. I'm not sure how long he played for that for, but I, I just know that that's an example of somebody that was able to do that. And Heinz Ward was a good player. And yeah, yeah, and player. he was, yeah. The, I think that last Super Bowl they won, he was still. Actually, I can't remember the last time mm-hmm. they won the Super Bowl. Anyway, so these individuals are referred to as like copers. That's something you could call them. So, seeing once I found out that that. Thornton had this, and it's not just his ACL, his MCL. So that adds a whole new component of, of a, a stability problem with his knee. But the way that he was playing, the way he was skating, the way he was moving and playing at that high level, it really got me wondering, like, wow, maybe he is a coper. I mean, obviously he chose to, to get the surgery anyway, um, just because maybe he can manage and he is one of those people that can really you know, with his muscular support and everything rather than that um, kind of taut ligament su- ligamentous support he's able to kind of manage. But he got the surgery anyway. But, man, that that was pretty impressive. Yeah, just the fact that you didn't notice anything. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just looking at the full, full information post, post-series, it's like, okay, I still think a fully healthy Sharks could have beaten the Oilers. Mm-hmm. However, I would say 
that this game we definitely would have gone to six, maybe seven, but I think we would have won. Yeah. Um, but we wouldn't have gone. Far. Yeah. Yeah. This is ju- it. Just wasn't in the cards for the Sharks this year. Once you have the fullness of the information, you know, not only did we not go into the playoffs doing very well, I think after game four, we started playing a lot better. Um, we weren't kind of plagued with some of the same things carrying over from the end of how we finished the regular season. Um, yeah, but just with all these injuries to our top two centers and then our top wingers as well. And then some of our better death players mm-hmm. as well. I'm just like, glad Martin Jones isn't injured, you know? Yeah. Like, like awesome that that didn't you know, happen. So it you just... get the scope and then you see, well, even if I, we had gone past this, at some point this would have caught up to them with the injuries. Um, yeah, and, and would, would Thornton have played through another series on that knee? Who knows? He probably you know? would have tried. But you have to kind of be thankful to some he extent that have. it – was able to end in terms of their health and how much time they have to recover, but also kind of preventing more wear and tear and exacerbating existing injuries and potentially leading to other yeah. injuries within those body regions or, or elsewhere, you know? Yeah. And this is not to say that the Oilers don't have something that they're going on with too. Clearly they don't have the extent of injuries that the Sharks did just with the huge major injuries. But at this point in the season, everyone has some, I'm sure people on their team have a similar like broken foot thing or broken thumb thing on the likes of like, like kind of the hurdle and Marlow in Marlowe injuries. And I could totally see someone having like a Don Scoy or like the Carlson type things, but, uh, injuries get super televised when they're the extent of Joe Thornton, uh, notably Cam Fowler on the ducks too. Same thing happened to him. And, uh, you know, Logan Schur. So I know they were going through some stuff. Um, I assume they are because everyone is. So I'm not saying that they beat us because we weren't healthy. I'm saying it definitely. It's pretty impressive when you think that, um, you know, it's hard to quantify this measure more this measure of more good health would have led to this amount of goals. You can't quantify that, obviously, but you just can't, you just think about them playing through that and in a series, which if, and we've kind of talked about that, like a bounce here, a goal here in game two and game three, as tight as it in was game fi- yeah. in game five, even in game six, like game one, two, mm-hmm. like it could have gone against two, but like a bounce here or there really could have changed the outcome of this series yeah if the oilers if the oilers were dominating mm. us would thornton have come back no he probably yeah. would have he wants to play you know he wants to help his team if we were yeah, down to zero he still would have come back but the thing yeah. is like they were they played where the series in my mind was so so close it was it and was they so were close so like so injured to that extent that that's pretty impressive so you imagine what they could it have doesn't been. Diminish, it doesn't diminish what the Oilers did. They yeah, still they did a good job. They, they responded at key moments, and they had just those key yeah. moments, a few, like a couple more, a few more that mattered, you know? Um, yeah. But if the Sharks had, had so been more healthy, you, you kind of wonder, like, could they have had that extra oomph, you know, to get that extra, to work for that extra bounce, to get that extra goal that would have been needed to maybe change the outcome of this series, the complexion and then the outcome, yeah. so... I'm proud of the way they play. So, I mean, That's, I mean, 
like we said, with, they weren't probably going to go very far with, with those types of injuries. So, Yep. Um, I think we can go ahead and start talking about how the Series 1 is a whole, not Series, season. We don't need to go too in-depth mm-hmm. to it. Um, the only thing that I didn't like this season, notably, was Bodker. Player, you mean? Uh, no, things about this season I didn't mm-hmm. like. Bodker not integrating as well as we had hoped. Yeah. Um, people talk about speed and like, oh, it's not, you know, the Sharks don't have it. Bodker was the target that we had. Not only did we get faster all around, but we had Bodker producing at the rate he should have. He would have been a huge threat, and he would have been talked about so much. But he really had a, a poor season, which really wasn't all that off his league, his like career average points per game. So I'm not really expecting a ton of points from him, but it definitely was a dip down, and he definitely has a better supporting cast. So I expected a career bump up in his average uh, versus his average and then the fact that it was down and not even at his average and just how poor he looked integrating on the team that didn't work out well um and power play obviously um what went wrong there steve spot is in charge of that but you know ultimately it does go through the bore as well same group same assistant last year being in charge of it why didn't it work this year, you know? It's um, a mystery. Things I didn't like again. Condensed schedule really just destroyed the already very limited amount of practice that the Sharks get. I think it affects us even more during seasons like this with the bye week integrated to crunch things a little bit and then even more so with the World Cup of Hockey. And we had a short off season. And we're a West Coast team. And we had a short off season, and a lot of our players were playing the World Cup of Hockey. Our best players. Don't were forget there. there were a West Coast team that travels the most and out of any West other Coast team. Team that travels the most. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that that is uh, assumed in my practice thing. And then I think, but even through that, you know, we were definitely hitting that grind real hard at the end of the season, and then it kind of just caught up with us at the very last bit, like two weeks to go. You know, if that didn't hit us then, just with, like, getting into that funk that we did and that, like, the grindiest of grind at that moment, we could have finished as we were playing, like, the month before. You know, I think this, I think maybe even this series with the playoffs, with, as everything going in, could have been different, more in our favor. I think we were really hampered because we entered the playoffs just on, like, a bad note, um, in a bad, with bad habits, just you know power play still stinking so those are the big takeaways for me that i think was bad um love to hear what you have to say and then i think the biggest thing that i also didn't like about this season um was like people like chris tierney and don Skoy, most notably and then all around scoring was lower but i also think that was true league-wide but some of the players on our team who we were really expecting to step up and have some breakout seasons did not. Um, Chris Tierney is a great player, and I want him to break out and score more than like just 11 goals a season. You know, I really want him to get that 20. You know, I want him to get like 40 points. You know, he he has that in him, and I I think that coaches believe in him too. You know, it's yeah. good positives. Marlowe continues to excel, 27 goals, hit 500, 
Burns, you know, 70-point season, 29 goals, so close to 30. Uh, Thornton had a down year. Still had 43 assists, so... You know, if we if our power play was scoring effectively, I'm sure he would have had about the same year. Mm-hmm. Um, Burns probably would have hit 30 goals too, honestly. Um, uh, our junior, not junior players, but our AHL tweeners and call-ups, I think we've got a lot of people on that team who can come in and play really well on the bottom six, and they've got some people we're excited for, and Kevin LeBanc and Timo Meyer. Those are people that I'm excited for next season. I think Timo Meyer will probably be on this team next season. He will not be in the AHL. Kevin LeBanc probably depends on the offseason that he has. Uh, he definitely needs more size, whereas Timo already has that. But they both can have shown that they're capable of playing in the NHL and could do well. Um, excited to see who uh, Wilson brings in over the summer. If they bring in another like Donskoy, like a Sorensen type player, you know that would be great. Um, just like the highlights of things, I highlights and lowlights of the season. Uh, over eighty-two games, we've already talked about things where you know thought we did well or didn't do didn't do well. So I don't think we need to go too into it. Uh, Sharks had a good season; they had a great season, and it just kind of flamed out at the very, very, very end. You know, if we didn't give up that nine-point lead in the Pacific, we would have been playing a different team. Mm-hmm. You know, all we had to do was go 500 in the last, like, 11 games, and we went, like, 200 or something. <laughs> that was terrible. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think the biggest notable thing was the lack of scoring. Um, I think five yeah. on five we were okay, so I think the power play really would have made a difference in terms of Mm-hmm. At least some of our top guys getting a bit more points. Even Pavelski, like you said, every it was a down year across the team and maybe a bit league-wide, but Pavelski had, what, 29, 30 goals? Um, he probably could have had a few Forget more goals remember, in him. 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 Thornton definitely yeah. had a down year. So, And then, like you said, the depth. So I think there's always kind of a sense of wanting a little bit more scoring from this team and wanting a bit more execution for them to kind of finish on their chances and everything. And definitely the power play for a lot of the year um, just looked like it was stuck in the mud. They're, just their system had was not looking good. The way the players were moving, um, that was a bit disappointing. And like you said, it's somewhat of a mystery because it's the same group that was absolutely deadly last year in the regular season and the playoffs on the power play. So, yeah. Can we pause right here? Did you see that graph I showed you? Uh, I did not. So, uh, Fear the Finn, most part, hate everything they put out. Uh, occasionally, <laughs> just, they have some good just tidbits. completely honest with that now. Just, yeah, we're not even going to hide that anymore. We both think that the current editors just put out pretty much garbage. <laughs> this is um, so extreme. <laughs> it's pretty extreme, yeah. Uh, we don't like what they put out. They're very biased to what they have. They have a they get an idea of what's going wrong and they find a number that doesn't really support what they say. It's very much armchair GMing. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I'm sure a lot of people feel that same way. So they're looking for a new editor to manage the page. So that would be great if someone else came in and did a better job, but they had a great graph that was shown and it was like a heat map of players 
unblocked shot attempts 5v4 on the top. Okay. So it was like, these are shots that have gone to the net, didn't get blocked on the power play or the Sharks' top unit. And it's a heat map of the position they were in when they took that shot. The year before, you have Borton kind of like on the right side of the goal, Pavelski in the middle, Marlo Couture on the other side, Burns on the top right middle. And there's clearly, there's like the heat map has a lot of movement between and there's a lot of like overlap in, in Very, gray. Was there a lot of variation in shot areas? Yeah, you can definitely see where there's at least like two or three positions which each player like really favors. Okay. And you can see a lot of like they had them. Uh, each player had a different Interesting. color. Okay. So like instead of just a spot, there's like a big pool of that color where there's you can clearly see that they got a lot of shots from there, and there was movement, and there was like overlapping, and it was really cool. It's like wow, that's a great power play. You looked at this year's graph for the same players. It was literally burns a little bit from the point to the right, just a dot, like super dark of his like, purple <laughs> yeah. color. And it was just there. And it wasn't movement anywhere else. Paths right in the middle, just a dot. Where all super all dark tips. of his color. <laughs> yeah. And then Thornton, just a dot. <laughs> right where it was no movement everywhere else just a dot right where they were huh. no movement and then uh Pabs was taking more shots last year and Thornton was taking his Pabs was taking more shots last year and less shots this year or the vice versa or something like that i think it was more shots last year and less shots this year or something yeah. like that and it was just like Oh, well, clearly, you can see that at least this is an aspect of getting more shots through. And it doesn't really, it doesn't show that they're more effective than the other. It just highlights this is where the shots were coming yeah. from. So a lot of people have the eye test of like, they're not moving anymore. It's like, this was literally saying, yes, exactly, they are not moving mm -hmm. anymore. Is that why they're also not scoring? I think so, from my like very limited knowledge of like what works to yeah. score but especially on the power play if you're just going to sit there yeah well you you, you want to get moving you want to yeah. create space and open up lanes for you to shoot and everything and you want to get the other team but a little like, bit more fatigued if the team's not if the other players are not moving and they're just sitting in the lane yeah it's not it's not tiring on yeah. a penalty kill so and 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 then you I mean, lose momentum talk about that. in in kind of mm -hmm. keeping the puck away as well so, I mean, this has been talked about to death. So yeah, but I, I, we only spend too much I, time on it. All that being said, like it's a mystery because last year they were so good. But how much does yeah. the fatigue, the lack of rest, the lack of practice, how far we went last year, World Cup of Hockey, yada yada yada, all these yeah. factors play into their performance. You know, um, really impressive. Yeah. Like they had a, like you said, they had a really great season until the middle of March, and then things were just like wow, this is really bad. Um, I think the defense wavered for a few games. Like, throughout that losing streak, I thought our defense was, like, still pretty solid, except for, like, three or four of the games. Um, and even that's... I mean, over the course of 82 games, that's yeah. okay. But even that, like, going to the playoffs, the Sharks kind of fixed a lot of those things, but they still had that problem with scoring and, and, and yeah. in FXC in in on the power play. So... I think I'm really 
I think moving forward, a big thing with this team is I, I think this team. No, what are your what are your highlights and lowlights? Oh, sorry, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think anything else you want to mention, like highlights or lowlights about the yeah, year? Yeah, I think I pretty much agree with you mainly with that. I think it was a bit discouraging that. Uh, well, Burns had Burns like such a high, like, and off. then the way he cooled off, the way other teams were reading him, and just like the team kind of suffering. He was still getting the same amount of shots yeah. through. Just yeah, it just in. sucked. Because uh, you were just hoping, like, oh, get to 40 goals. <laughs> you know? But uh, that was a bit stupid. But I think, you know, Brent Burns is still Brent Burns, and like, he's going to be effective. And I'm so glad that we still signed him to that eight year deal, you know? Um, yeah. I, yeah, with the so I, Burns, I want those else? players, those depth players, to step up to have more of that versatility, and I think we had that more in the second half of last season last year, and in the sure. power in the playoffs because you know Donskoy got going. Ward had a twenty goal season last season. It was effective in the playoffs. Tierney contributed a little bit. Man, Matt Nieto had two or, two or three goals in the playoffs last year that were dude. I totally forgot yeah. about him. Um, which is okay. He's so I, uh, you want me to give it a letter grade? Yeah, let's go. You can use a plus minus system uh, too. Yeah. I think that this. Uh, you want me to say regular season playoffs overall? Uh, regular season. We don't talk about the playoffs. So, playoffs are getting F because they didn't win the Stanley Cup. So regular season, I would rate. <laughs> I would say it's probably like uh, a solid B season, maybe B minus. Um. I'm going to go B minus just because, you know, defensively, I thought they were a very good team. We were like top five in like fewest goals allowed, fewest shots allowed, things like that. Um, and they, I think they showed really good D in the playoffs too. Um, it, yeah, it was, it was the other half, the offense and the power play where you would always be wanting something a little bit more, you know? Yeah. That makes me think, B minus, or do I want to do? I I think I might go C okay. plus. Yeah, I think because I think a B minus in my head feels right, but then I look at it and it's like I don't know how you scraped out what you did, but if burn if Burns wasn't Burnsing, <laughs> the season would have been yeah. way worse, you know. <laughs> So maybe maybe a C plus isn't right. Maybe I will go with a, a B minus because they deal still get they found get a way as far as they did and had they found a way right. Yeah. Yes, I I would agree with you. B minus, lack of scoring, power play. Okay. Okay. Now now, Best how story. do you feel moving forward about this group? Um, did we already talk about how we think Thornton and Marlow will resign? Specifically, how Thornton probably already has a handshake deal in place. Dude, we didn't talk about that because everybody has been talking <laughs> talking about that. Yeah, listen to listen to Paul Gackle of the Gackle yeah. Report, and specifically a podcast titled something like "Listen, Should the Sharks Resign I Thornton and Marlow?" Like, like, he kind of says that they will. Yeah, he says that they will for a lot of great reasons and basically we would just requote his entire thing as well as Mark Purdy's article from the oh, that Mercury was very News. interesting yeah yeah he he kind of said the same thing of what uh, Paul Gackle was saying 
to summarize, uh, they believe that Thornton and Marlowe probably already have handshake deals with the GM, or at least have had well, like maybe handshake not so much Marlo, gentleman but talks. Thornton. Um, just yeah, because of all the at least getting like ideas of what needs to be done because there's you know they're on their UFA deals and there's so much stuff going into this off season. Uh, especially with the, the draft, the expansion draft coming. Uh, and for Thornton to go back out uh, as an unrestricted free agent, to go back out and potentially threaten his career and ex- severely limit his options, and maybe even, like, he's good enough to get signed somewhere, but to drastically limit his options by further damaging his knee after everyone knows he has a torn MCL or ACL. Um, to play on it after that severely would have hurt things and then he also said that he's probably not even going to be in the country and he'll be on vacation on july 1st um they were saying that he likely already has a uh deal in place that's not signed but like handshake deal and done with doug wilson for some severe hometown discounts because they're they've been here for so long they're not going to leave their entire families are here and they want to stay here and they know that the Sharks have a good chance of winning and they've already been taking hometown discounts and there's no reason for them not to continue to do so. So I assume that we'll re-sign Thornton and Marlowe, especially because if we don't, where are we going to get 27 goals for Marlowe from in the offseason? Just by like, an un- by like a signing? Like no one. There's no one that's going to do that. Man, you really are restating uh, Paul Gackle now. <laughs> I am. I'm sorry. And then Thornton, like, you just can't replace Thornton. Like, basically, just the, the, the unrestricted free agent pool it doesn't contain the people we need to let them go. Yeah. So. And then I think moving forward, I think we might. I think the bottom six might uh, get rotated around a bit. But for, again, I feel like for the most part, if we let a player or two go as a forward, you can have someone like LeBanc or Timo. Like step in, you know. So I feel like someone will someone will move. I'm excited for this team. I don't really think that there's anything they need. I feel like if Bodker uh, has a better season and has the whole off season to work with the Sharks training staff and really work on what he needs to do to integrate well to start the next season and score like he we expect him to, I think we would be very different of how most people think of him. He has that ability. Like, who should they sign? Like, I don't know. I like Schlumko. I like Dylan. I like all of our D. I like the D. I like DeMello. Personally, I think he's maybe the funniest person on the team, based on what we've seen from him, <laughs> the articles and stuff. Uh, I like his sense of humor. And then, like, forward core is, like, good. I think some of the depth scoring being a little bit lower than what it was last year, the player like Ward... Like, Ward is just as old as Thornton and Marlowe now. If not, maybe, like, he's 36 and there's 37. Something like that. Uh, but he's not as elite as they are. Um, I can see his production slipping. So what we do with him, I don't know, because he was signed to, like, a longer-term deal. So, yeah. And then we're going to lose a player in the expansion draft, and how will... Um, how will uh, Doug Wilson mitigate that? I can imagine that there's 
maybe increased opportunity for a trade or something like that as people as teams try to uh, um, get the rosters as what they need it for the expansion draft too we've already seen a little bit of that happening as a, some teams have been out for a little bit um, yeah so I don't really exp I don't feel like the sharks need anything but I definitely wouldn't be surprised if they come back with a little bit different roster next year. Not anything major. But, you know, the roster's different a little bit every year, so that's to be expected. Yeah, I basically and feel like lose that's somebody for again. sure in the expansion draft, right? Yeah, so I feel like we might pull in someone a little bit better than normal this year if we need to, because there might be... If we do anything, I feel like we, you know, bottom six might change a little bit, but I feel like we might also get like a middle six forward as well or you know middle pairing defenseman to mitigate what we lose because there might be increased opportunity for that to happen with all the off-season stuff with vegas coming in and like so what is your own opinion do you want marlo and thornton to return yeah i agree I, I think they should i think they'll come for less than what they make now and Vlasic is going to get a raise, but he's not going to get a crazy raise. He's been at the he's he's at money he's, he's been making discount. for a long time. He's discount Vlasic now, though. He's been discount Vlasic since his last contract. Yeah, but Doug Wilson and worked like a miracle the last time. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, Vlasic wants to win, and he's a team player. I don't expect him. He's what does he make now? I don't have it up. Did he probably request like? He probably requests like four his salary, and then he's like, "I just want you to give two million dollars to dog charities." <laughs> yeah, seriously, just a side on the side. That's four point five million salary. That's fine. Just do that extra thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Vlasic's a UFA, and he's thirty, and he signed his last deal with his no trade clause. Um, in 2013-14 season his new one kicked in and he got like a million dollar raise from his previous salary so he made four four two five for six years well, a lot of people are saying he's due for a big raise I'm thinking they're thinking about I mean, bringing people... him to like six or seven per year oh sorry five years you know I think he'll go to six I don't think he needs to do seven he doesn't have Burns is getting eight. Yeah. Is Vlasic seven? No. Is he good enough to do that? Yes. But does the NHL reward shut down people like that the same way that the reward scoring people like that? No. I think he'll take a hometown discount and get five points something. Yeah. We'll see. And go long term because he wants to stay in San Jose. He said he said publicly that he wants to finish his career in San Jose and retire. Yeah. Sure. I think it's really hard to so, predict um, in salaries so and The, the and only term. reason why I say that is because he was playing at the level he has been for the past five years. He was already making Olympic rosters and world championship yeah. stuff. I think he's... When he signed his last He slowly deal. garnered more attention where people consistently yeah, say the, now that he's one of the most underrated players in the NHL <laughs> it's like they talk about him a lot but they keep yeah. on saying he's the but most he's one of the most underrated defensive in the NHL yeah. yeah I expect him to get a raise but I don't really think he's gonna get the 
amount of salary that people are saying. Like Paul Martin got four point eight on the free agent market. I don't think he's gonna. I think he might get more than that, but he's not gonna get like crazy money. Who yeah. knows though? Maybe he might get a lot. That's the thing. I think it's hard to say. Like he's earned it, right? Yeah. And then after that, the only notable people, like Couture and Pavelski, are both signed for two more seasons after that. Then you got Tomas Hurdle getting his this new deal. This is his first year of the three year bridge deal. This is deal, his first right? bridge deal. Yeah, so next season he will be a unrestricted free agent or uh, a restricted free agent after it ends. So he's going to negotiate his new contract this coming oh, season. Okay. Yeah. So Vlasic, Hurdle, uh, and then Jones are really only the big people that need to get reconstructed, get new contracts for this coming season. And like Jones, I don't think is going to make too much, like maybe four or five. He's not going to make crazy money. Yeah. I hope he doesn't make five. I feel like once goalies get like around five million dollars, then they start to play weird. <laughs> oh, wow. And then Hurdle hasn't earned himself crazy money yet. Just with his injuries, they've kept him back from his development a bit. I think he'll get like four, something like that. He'll get a maybe a bridge deal. They'll put to off Hurdle's deal more probably till the end of the season because they yeah, want to see how well he does, right? Yeah, I think I think that's good too. You know. What does he look like for a full season healthy? Yeah. How effective is he? Um, anyway, I, so, I think that... I think my take on Thornton yeah. and Marlowe, I think that uh, just with how well they take care of themselves, Marlowe in particular, just because now he's more injury-free, especially compared to Thornton, and, and just the way he skates and how effective he is and which way he contributes, I think he can he said he can play for like five more years or something like that maybe more and i believe it just because he's still one of the fastest skaters in the league he's like a specimen you know Mm -hmm. like he's he's an athlete um thornton you know this knee injury is something that needs to be considered but if he can rehabilitate well which i hope he can and really dedicates himself to that and has no complications um, with the way he plays, he doesn't play this like bash into you all the time. He's a smart vision player and he never was all about like super fast skating. So I think that if he can bounce back from this, he could be good for another three, four years, um, as well. Yeah. And obviously, you know, as the years go on, you would want to bring them in diminished roles, which would make the argument for, um, you know, obviously they're older now, but as you go forward, like just a reduced salary um like it makes sense to me like you sign them for three years three four years at lower money um obviously human beings have different take on you know they want to get paid more (laughs) Uh, i think they're they're not going to want one year deals neither of them are so yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I like both those players. I personally, as a group as a whole, like if if you could give me the same roster next year, I would just be like, okay, have another crack at it. Like you guys have a lot more rest. You yep. guys have had I more agree. preparation. Let's go at this again and fix some of the problems that you had last year. Like I think that this team could be effective, like the same team. Yeah, we have people like Yannick Hansen and not Yannick Hansen, but. Uh, 
Carlson, Donskoy, Tierney, and Haley all coming, uh, all being free agents at the end of next yeah. year. Or, no, free agents at the end of this year. Either being restricted, in most cases, or unrestricted for Haley. And I agree, like, all these people, this specifically those people I just named in Donskoy and Tierney, like, they're on the entry-level deals, and if they come in and more experience is only better because I think they haven't really hit their hit their true potential yet. And think know? about it, these all these Barracuda players. They think about how far exactly. if they go far in these Calder Cup playoffs, and what mm-hmm. if they like win a Calder Cup, and then you have this like winning, driven, um, attitude in your young players, that, yeah. you know. And we've got some good players, like even like Danny O'Regan and Ryan Carpenter. Like they weren't up with the team as much. But even those guys like have potential, and then you got Tim Heed, who we only saw for a few games. Um, yeah, you know we've got a we got some guys here coming up. I feel like if we lose a defenseman, I feel like if we lose a defenseman in the uh, expansion whatever, draft, the expansion draft, I feel like we might just pull someone up. We have a couple people ready to yeah. go. So yeah, Tim Heed would be a pretty exciting player yeah. to see see drawn to the lineup. You know. Yeah. Do you think Haley's going to be back? Um, yeah, it was weird. Or like, DeBoer think... played him so much during the regular season, and the playoffs came around, and he's like, nope, not doing that. <laughs> I think maybe DeBoer yeah. just didn't want to have any th- response to the Oilers, like, aggressiveness and physicality, because mm-hmm. he's like, listen, we'll take advantage of that. We don't want to give you anything in return. Um, and I get that, yeah. and maybe that's why he kept Haley out. Yeah, I think his spot might go to like, – I'm looking at the forwards – I don't see a forward that can come out of the roster or that should come out of the roster. I see Joel Ward. Maybe. Maybe we try to do something with his contract. But, like, the only other person I see coming out of the roster looking for a spot to come back in or or to pull in, like, a Timo or, like, a LeBanc. I see Haley, Mm. you know? Are we going to, like, kick Milker Carlson off? No. Yeah. (laughs) We're not going to kick off Donskoy. We're not going to kick off Tierney. Who gets that boot? Probably Haley, unfortunately. Yeah. But, you know, like, can Timo Meyer play what, do what Michael Haley brought? Yeah. Yeah, and Timo Meyer. We already have enough I centers. I what Timo Meyer brought in the playoffs, you know? Yeah, Ryan Carpenter. You know, he did, he he did, did pretty well thing. when he got called up. Yeah, I really liked him. So, I agree. I think I think uh, Marlowe's kind of like a Solani type player. You know, he could play effectively and still bring in points, uh, kind of like Yager did, except for he's not quite as good mm-hmm. as Yager, which is fair to say. Whereas Yager is like 44, 45. Maybe. Didn't he turn 45 this season? Like something something like ridiculous. So not quite that old, but like Solani was still getting like 40-point seasons, you know? Kept on signing, like, one-year deals, and, you know, he was calling it quits when he said he was ready, and the team was allowing him to do that. So I, I think it could be similar to that. Yeah. Maybe not how it ended for Solani, but just in the fact that Solani played into his 40s and was still effective. I want to I address something, and I think we, we talked about this before, but I think it's easy from a lot of the things that I've been hearing in podcasts and news reports that, you know, we talked about the notion about how people will look back after some time has passed on, like, the outcome of something, like the outcome of the series against the Oilers. 
and kind of because of that negative outcome projects like negative uh the pro yeah project project like a negativeness to the process and i i don't want to like i don't feel drawn into that like yeah we lost the series and that sucked but like i said i think it was close and like this group was also injured like i think that series is closer than you know six game loss ousting would have seemed like like a bounce here a goal there and yeah and the thing that the thing that I think people are like, oh, but we need to get faster and younger, you know, and really just play off the rush. It's like, okay, what are the teams you see yeah. doing that successfully? Oilers, Leafs, and Calgary. And they have been teams, well, maybe not, not even Calgary as much. Yeah, but the Penguins, and this goes to my point as well, right? Calgary, not Calgary, sorry. The Oilers and the Leafs have been bad for very long and are filled with extremely high-end young prospects yeah. filled with them so of course they can play this like super high skill like fast-paced game it's not just because they're fast it's because they're fast and also extremely high-end talent you know it's like the same thing with the penguins too they have like they have crosby yeah. they have malkin they have kessel they have like everyone <laughs> you know that's why they're so good and they have like and they fill it with you know, they get some other people. Yeah, they have solid depth like players. Like the Oilers get like a Drake Kajula, and then the, the Penguins get like a Brian Rust. People like that, you know, pull from college or something like that who are like were fast players, and it just helps add to the team. But if, like, they're not talking about how the Jets are like this crazy good, fast young team, right? Well, they, they were until way. they were out of playoff contention. Yeah, but then they completely flamed yeah. out because they were not good enough. Yeah. You know, they're not filled quite the same way as that the other two yeah. teams are. And so the people are like, yeah, we match, we match just fine with Oilers' speed. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, right? all these negative... It's just because they're extremely high-end people that people are really, like, buying into that, like, yeah. storyline that this is the new face of the NHL. It's like, most teams aren't like that, except for the two teams that have are full of young players who obviously young players can skate faster. Give them five years and they won't quite be like yeah. that. McDavid will because you know he's crazy fast already like abnormally like as they get older they're not going to be as fast as they were yeah well I think all these like negative projections will lead I mean that's led to the narratives like people want that change where I don't think it's necessarily that necessary because you're saying how they're saying the Oilers beat us with their speed no I disagree I think we demonstrated we could beat them with a good forechecking game what it came down to yeah. was those key moments. And yes, they kind of demonstrated some of their play off the rush and the speed, but that's the way they play. Like the difference was we could have scored a goal here or there playing our style of four checking game. And that would have been enough. Yeah. And it's not like their, against, it's I not their speed that like saying, overwhelmed us, you know? I think you were saying maybe it was just in a personal conversation, not on a podcast episode, but you were saying that last year the Penguins really did just hurt us with yeah. their speed all over. Playing the Penguins last year really helped us prepare for another fast team like the Oilers yeah. this year. I, yeah. We did not get like destroyed by their speed, and you can listen to all the comments by the Sharks players after the series or during the games or stuff like that in this Edmonton series or, you know, locker room clean-out stuff too, they all agree. They said, I don't really think we were beaten by the speed. DeBoer says, the only time I feel like speed really gave us any trouble was last year against the Penguins. 
in these past two years entirely. And like, yeah, exactly. I agree with you exactly. It's like, we're not being frustrated by their speed. And I think the fact that we played the Penguins and had that preparation going into this year and how that shaped us after our loss last year and the people we try to bring in this year, notably like, um, like Schlemko, a faster guy who can really get the puck moving and Bodker, a really fast guy and getting some of our young blood in to help speed up a little bit. Like, yeah, I think we were prepared and it didn't really hurt us outside of McDavid yeah. when he scored a shorthanded goal and they would get breakaways, but I mean, they got breakaways. Every team gets breakaways and they weren't like, you know, destroying us. Like we, when McDavid was getting his breakaways, we were on him and tying up a stick and he didn't really have good, clear yeah, opportunities. Yeah, he kind of forced you know, things. He was mitigated yeah, every time. It's, it's, it's something that, you know, they'll, people will say like, oh, the Sharks need to kind of, are they going to be able to adapt to this this new way that teams are playing? But it, honestly, because it goes the league-wide, like this, the league's changing to this faster mindset. Maybe in the sense that more teams are adopting that. But that doesn't mean that's always going to be effective. Like, there are other ways to win. doesn't mean there's only one way to win. You can win with a good forecheck and a good cycle game and, like, playing with controlled yeah. zone entries that aren't just, like, off the rush. Um, so yeah. I'm tired of this narrative. It's like the Sharks need to change and get faster. It's like, listen, they have fast players, but that's not the way they play. That doesn't play to, like, their, their overall yeah. team strengths. You're not going to put Joe Thornton, like – ready to jump out of the zone to get like breakaways all the time like yeah. you're not gonna do that you have some players that can do that but that's just not the way the system works and that's okay like that is okay except that that is okay as long as you win you <laughs> yeah, win. I know and like, I, I, I like yeah. what you said I, I i agree like and I, I remember i did tell you that, that i thought that like our defense grew from that last that series against the penguins in being able to defend those teams off the rush it's not going to be perfect all the time. They're still going to get chances just because they're like, you can notice the Oilers. They weren't as nearly as good at the, as this at the, as the penguins, but they'll play like up in the defensive zone, ready to break out like two or three forwards um, to get that like quick chance off the rush. And the penguins like killed us with that um, last year, yeah. but the Oilers, like for the most part, we mitigated them. Like you said, Connor McDavid, we, he was forcing things because we were on him so well. And and I know the Oilers are up 2-0 in this series, but I'm not sure McDavid has been on the score sheet a whole bunch in these past two games. I haven't um, checked. I'm not sure he has a point in this series, but... he No, he does, because I think he scored last night. Uh, but any, in any case, like... Uh, that that can be defended. Yeah. Like if you play good defense and you're able to establish your game yeah. over the team, other team's other game, which may be a different style of play, you can be successful. Yeah, I think maybe we can end with this. But uh, in soccer, it's definitely been around for longer, and it has definitely it's on the world stage and it gets more people's eyes. But there are different types of play across the world, and there definitely is a large variation in styles of play versus like a possession type game, like a high pressure type game, or like a counterattack type yeah. game. 
and they all have their merits and it seems like there's potential for the NHL to start to have varied types of um, approaches team yeah styles and strategies and approaches that's and interesting if you ask me in the game. yeah yeah and I would love to see that I would hate for the NHL to now say oh the way to win is to be young and fast and to just get fast players and now players like hurdle who isn't the fastest player but is extremely good with protecting the puck and playing possession like does he is he not valued anymore it's like no he has a skill let him use his skill it's like if you look across the world of soccer like some players be not as fast as others but they're really good at possession and to the counter some of them are extremely fast but not really good at keeping possession and they're valued on a different team you know so I would love for that to see I would love to see that across the NHL and to people just have varied approaches in games instead of minute tweaks to the same overall system where I feel like before the NHL was really just who can have pretty much the same system but then have the best players to implement that system under the salary cap and then within that there's small variations the people person who won the cup was just the person who did that the Mm -hmm. best but it was all pretty much the same i would love for it to be that now in the future there could be different styles of play that are like drastic instead of just like minute changes of play very minute system differences that are hard to pick up for the average viewer but someone could say oh i really like how san jose plays the possession style and another person could say i really like how the maple leafs play their young quick transition game like that's awesome it's very fast it's it's fun to watch and you know they both can be right and maybe they'll both win and maybe they meet in a final and you see kind of a brawl of different styles and that would be awesome I would hate for the NHL to now say, oh, the only way to win is to be fast. And then everyone just starts playing a counterattacking game. And it's just like, ugh. Yeah, because then you're... Evolve. You're, <laughs> you're losing out on valued aspects of the sport that can be... that are manifested in different styles of play in different ways in different situations. Um, and really, it's kind of it can be shaped a lot by the way each individual player has developed their own style of play, you know, and maybe more Mm -hmm. of those types of players aggregate on one team than another. Sometimes you have a variety of different players that play in different ways that kind of develop something that's unique where you have a balance of speed, but possession at times. Um, And obviously like good, good teams can have a little bit of everything. Um, So yeah, it's. I agree with you, and I, I, I'm just tired of that narrative of like the league's getting faster and younger. It's like, well, like you said, they're not going to be young anymore in five to ten years. Yeah. So then you're always looking for the young players. What about those players that were skilled now? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um think we'll probably record a couple more times with the off season probably not that much probably around the expansion draft and the uh, draft for the sharks as well and the uh, probably once those major signings and stuff like that very sporadically 
it'll be event based instead of like time based after like every two weeks or something so right dude uh thus concludes the 2016 2017 shark season and thus it does well anyway go sharks go sharks sharks Sharks. go sharks (laughs) go sharks go sharks and we will see you soon don't know when but we'll see you soon Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever podcast platform you prefer, or you can listen online at www.backtothepointpodcast.com. Do you have any questions for us? Want to suggest a topic for us to discuss in the air? Tweet us at underscore backtothepoint or email us at backtothepoint at yahoo.com. The views and content included in this podcast are our own and is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League in any capacity.